0: Jesus is real. There's power in Your name. We find hope when we trust in Your ways. We believe Jesus is
1: real. Jesus' return is as soon as it's ever been. His return is closer now than it's ever been in history. And the people of God are not prepared to be the vehicle for God's grace into the world because we're so busy being selfish with what God has entrusted to us. So we need to do this. We need to be prepared. We need to know the time. We need to awaken out of
0: slumber. Be prepared. It's the Boy Scout motto for a reason. (laughs) Today on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will talk about the importance of being prepared, especially when it comes to generosity and serving the Lord. You'll learn that God wants you to be part of the work He is doing in the world. And as the return of Jesus draws ever closer, you should be ready to simply respond to Jesus as a tangible example of his love and care to the people around him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, as he continues his message, The Need for Compassion.
1: So many people have gotten turned off to church because the church talks about money a lot right? It's like, how often have you gone to church and you hear the church is talking about money? And you're like, oh man, the church is so focused on money. And so what happens when that happens is that the church has a tendency to de-emphasize the ideas of generosity, which in a lot of ways is like where Crossroads is for people who come here like, man, you guys don't ever really talk about that stuff and what's going on. And every once in a while you do. Now, I think what's important is, is we need to make sure that we teach the full counsel of the word of God. And so if you're visiting with us today, or you're checking, we don't, talk about this very often, but you can't learn the art of living unless you talk about being a generous person because God is generous and God is changing us. And so I wanted to get that out of the way because for some of you, like, yeah, of course, the first time I come to church, I go to Crossroads and talking about being generous. I mean, isn't that church? But the reality is, is how you choose and I choose to administer our lives also declares what you believe every single day. There's not a person who doesn't live a life that is a theological statement. And if God is generous, extravagantly generous, then I couldn't seek to explain to you the art of Christian living life in the spirit unless I encourage and exhort you to generosity in life as well as in your finances. So I wanted to get that out of the way up front. Now notice what it says first. The first thing that we need to learn about a life of generosity, is that we need to be willing and zealous. We need to be both willing and zealous. I get this from the first four verses here. Look at what it says. It says, now concerning the ministering to the saints, verse one, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians that Acacia was ready a year ago and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Now to put this in context... Because, really, Second Corinthians chapter 8 is the preamble to all this. They were putting together a collection for the church in Jerusalem. They were being severely persecuted because of their faith in Jesus. And so, as the Apostle Paul, along with his missionary partners, went out to start churches, these churches were popping up all over the Roman Empire, in places like Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece. Places like Macedonia, which is one of the neighboring regions to Greece. And so these Gentile Christians who weren't being persecuted, they would see the church in Jerusalem and say, we need to help them, right? And so what we find here is the Apostle Paul is writing to them because the church in Corinth in verse 2 was both willing and zealous to help the church in Jerusalem. They heard about the need and they were like, we are in, we want to do this. They were willing and they were excited to do it. And so much so that the apostle Paul says that their willing and zealous intentions spurred on all these churches in the area of Macedonia to want to get involved as well. But what we find here is that the church in Corinth was willing and zealous, but they actually haven't completed the job. They had the right intention, but they haven't followed through yet. Now, in order to live generously, you have to first be willing, and when you think of the idea of zeal, you have to have passion to want to be a generous person. And it would be wrong of me to try and encourage you to generosity without starting with the idea of are you willing and are you excited about it? Now, right there, I realize many people are like, yeah, uh, no. So like, I got my own problems, Fusco. You don't know what my calendar looks like. You don't know what the bank account looks like. You don't know what this is. And so it has, every action begins with a desire to be a certain way. Like, let me give you an example. So Christmas came and went, I had a blast. I feasted like no one's business. And I have a passion now to lose some pounds. Nobody loses weight without a passion to lose weight unless there's some ulterior things going on, right? So it begins with a desire to do it. Do you have a passion to be a part of God's kingdom and help people? I think for many of us, we don't at all. We're so consumed with life focused on self that the idea of being focused on helping anybody else is the farthest thing and I'm here to wake you out of sleep. I wanna challenge you that the reason you're so frustrated with life is because it's all about you. A culture focused on its own happiness will always be the least happy culture in the world because it's like grasping at the wind. Every time you get the thing that you want, right away the thing stops. I was talking to someone, all they wanted was this beautiful car, then they got the car and then all of a sudden one of the headlights went out and they found out that their beautiful car changing the headlights cost like a grand. It was all fun until that happened. And some of you know exactly what that's like, right? All I want, I'll be so happy when I get a boat. I get a boat and then you get a boat and you know what happens when you have a boat, right? Your whole life is working on the boat, right? And it's a blast. I'm not knocking having a boat or having a car that you want. I'm not knocking these things. But none of these things are going to satisfy the depths of who you are. So you have to be willing and have a passion to help others. And I want to encourage you, if you don't have that right now, say, Lord, give me your passion to help others. Give me a willingness to be involved in all that you're doing. Now, for others of us, I believe that many of us have the willingness But like the church in Corinth, it's not that the willingness isn't there. It's the follow through. It's the follow through. And I'm here to tell you, if you have that heart to do it, then you need to just start taking those steps of faith. You need to push through the intention because you all know we all have great intentions. How many of you have read your New Year's resolutions from last year? I just did it the other day for fun. And I realized that I have almost all the same resolutions this year. So I'm not preaching down on anybody. Almost everything, I'm like, yep, I gotta work on that, yep, I gotta work on that, yep, I gotta work on that again. So, but it begins with this intention, and the church in Corinth was so passionate about this that they were actually an encouragement to the other churches, and they all jumped on because of the church in Corinth. And Paul's literally saying, look, I'm sending some guys to you, I want you to take care of this early. So that when I show up, nobody's embarrassed. See, look at what it says in verse five. It says, therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. My friends, not only should you be willing and zealous, but we need to prepare for it. We need to prepare for it. See what's going on here. Paul doesn't want the church in Corinth, his boasting about their generosity. He doesn't want their zeal that hasn't been followed through to be a source of embarrassment or wow. Okay. So it really isn't like that. So he says, so I'm sending these guys before so that you can be prepared, prepare your generous gift beforehand. So the step from intention And willingness to action is preparation. And there's that old business maxim. If you fail to plan, you what? You plan to fail. And if you want to live a life of generosity, then you need to plan it. You need to prepare the way. You need to think about, if I want to live more generously, then I'm going to plan and prepare my calendar, and I'm going to put in times for it. If I'm going to use the gifts that God has given me to further the work of God's kingdom, then I need to make some space in my commitments to be able to do that. And if I want to give of the resources that God has entrusted to me, I need to prepare for it. I need to think through it. I need to figure this thing out. And that's exactly what the apostle Paul exhorts this church. He says, listen, when I show up, I don't want there to be some collections or all this pressure. Paul's here. we got to get this thing together. Isn't that how it goes so much for us? We say we're going to do something, and then we don't do it. All of a sudden, oh, I was supposed to do that. What most of us do because we feel that embarrassment is we either don't make any commitments. That's one way of dealing with it. Or two, you just stop seeing certain people because of unfulfilled commitments, all of which shows a lack of maturity. I bet for a lot of us right now, there are people you don't want to see because you said you were going to do something. You're not going to do it. You don't want to deal with it. Or for some of you, the idea of being commitment phobic. You don't make a commitment for everything. You say, well, I'm not sure. Maybe. We don't do anything because we lack the follow through. Which ends up leaving us people who are not committed to anything except whatever happens next. Isn't that a cultural problem that we have? We do. So you need to prepare for the gift. You need to think in advance. If you want to be the kind of person in the world the way Jesus is, you need to be prepared for that. Have you prepared the way? Have you prepared the way for God to invite you to participate with him in changing the world? You have to make space for it. Listen to the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. Chapter 13, verses 11 to 14. It says this, and do this... Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as it is in the day. Not in revelry and drunkenness. Not in lewdness and lust. Not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. That's a great, encouraging, challenging verse for preparation, because now's the time. Listen, Jesus' return is as soon as it's ever been. His return is closer now than it's ever been in history, and the people of God are not prepared to be the vehicle for God's grace into the world because we're so busy being selfish with what God has entrusted to us. So we need to do this. We need to be prepared. We need to know the time. We need to awaken out of slumber. And isn't that what the Spirit of God does in the life of the people of God? He wakes us up. All of a sudden, you didn't realize you were sleeping, but you're like, I've been sleeping on the job. I didn't know what I was missing out on. I just got into this groove, and I wasn't sure how to change anything, so I just go, and all of a sudden, your eyes get open, and you're like, whoa, are you sleeping today? Spiritually, are you disengaged? For many of us, we are. So be prepared for it. You know, I'm not patting myself on the back. You all know I'm just learning how to follow Jesus just like everyone else. But Lynn and I have been talking about what does generosity look like in the next calendar year? Because we have to do this every single year. We have to re-up on things that we've been doing. We have to say, what is the next step? We were talking about how it relates to our kids and what goes on, and so it's one of those things that in my home right now, as we're entering a new year, it's like, what's the next step in generosity for us as a family? What does it look like for us? Because that's the way, obviously, as a husband with a bride and kids, one of the ways I prepare is we talk about it, we decide, what can we do differently, how can we do this thing? So part of the preparation is making the plans Something that's going on, literally, it's been going on in my house the last two weeks. Lynn and I have been talking about it and praying about it. Lord, what would you have us do? And how would you have us live? And how do we teach our children generosity? What does that look like? How do we include them in this process? So it's an important thing, but you need to prepare for it. Now, at the end of verse 5 and moving on into verse 6 and 7, it says something amazing because he says, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. And then in verse 6, it says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver." So what does this teach us? That you and I need to sow bountifully and cheerfully. We need to sow bountifully and cheerfully. So there's these two types of sowing. Now, the idea of sowing is an agricultural term. You gotta remember that in this day and age, it was before the industrial revolution, it was before computers and everything, and so people would put seed in the ground and then they would harvest the ground and then it would raise on up. Now all things being the same, the size of your harvest is going to be equal to the amount of seed you put in the ground. So the idea is that if you just put a little seed in the ground, you're going to get a little harvest. You put a lot of seed in the ground, you're going to get a lot of harvest. And so this principle of sowing and reaping for the church in Corinth and for you and I becomes very, very important. It says, look, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully." It's a natural example of something that we don't think too much about. Now what's amazing is is here it's used for generosity, but elsewhere in the Bible the same picture is used for the works of the flesh or the works of the spirit. Like, If you invest in living a life of rebellion against God, you're going to reap corruption is the harvest and if you invest into living life spiritually in Christ then of the spirit you will reap everlasting life so the same principle of your spiritual lives is the same principle with living generously so the exhortation is that we need to sow we need to make it bountiful investments not meager investments but significant investments and why because whatever you put in what you get out. And we all know that to be true. So you gotta ask yourself, what is your investment in God's kingdom look like? Would it be considered sparing or bountiful? Your investment of time, your talents, your treasures. What would it be? Now, whatever you put in, that's what you're gonna get out. It's true like with your marriage, right? If you're married, Whatever you put into your marriage is what you're going to get out. You sow a bunch of junk into your marriage, you're going to have a junky marriage, right? Whatever you put into your body and food-wise, whatever you put in, that's what ends up. If you don't believe me, just go watch Supersize Me on Netflix, right? The dude went on a 30-day Eat McDonald's experiment, and he went and visited doctors, and like two weeks into it, he's going into liver failure, gained a ton of weight, because whatever you put in is what you get. And the same is true for the things of God's kingdom, and it's also true of the witness of the church in the world. Do you know what one of the biggest problems the church has today? The church has gotten ingrown, rather than seeing the church as a vehicle for God's grace in the world. Like, it's amazing. You watch. There's churches, churches that get started, and they're all people from another church. Because all they can do is reach church people instead of reaching the community around them. And it's totally tragic. Because the church exists for the glory of God and the blessing of humanity. And what happens is when the church gets insulated and ingrown, it becomes deformed. Do you realize that as a follower of Jesus, you declare who Jesus is to the world? Are you making an investment in our community? Not just the Crossroads community, but out into the world. See, the church is designed to be salt and light in the world. To bring out the God seasonings of the world to bring light into the darkness of the world. And so often churches are focused inward because we're sowing sparingly into our communities. But not only does God want us to sow bountifully, he wants us to sow cheerfully. Notice what it says at the end of verse five. It says, and this is important, it says, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. And then it says in verse seven, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Then you might say, well, I'm not cheerful in my giving. I asked the Lord that many times, like, Lord, why aren't I cheerful in my generosity? He'll say, well, because you're selfish. He'll say, because you really want to use it on you instead of giving it to help other people. See, what I want to encourage you, if you're not a cheerful giver, I want you to take the step of faith and ask God to bring your heart around. Because what's amazing is, is the reason you're not cheerful in your generosity is because you're not cheerful in investing it all in yourself anyway. So by taking the step of faith and investing it, God will change your heart in the process. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, Jesus said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and really the apostle Paul is quoting him. It says, the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's the words of Jesus. You are more blessed to give than receive. And so this whole idea of learning the art of living, the idea of being content and being joyful and experiencing God's grace actually is a life that isn't consumed with ourselves, but it's pushing it out into the world because you're more blessed to give than you are to receive. So you and I need to sow bountifully and cheerfully. Now I'm here to tell you, This will be a defining mark of the church of Jesus Christ in a world that doesn't know how to be generous and definitely isn't cheerful in its generosity. I love when someone says to me, oh, you know, I just wish the world, you know, religion is bad for people, you know, it just ruins the world. I'm like, tell me this, name me one hospital that was built by an atheist Show me one relief organization that was built by whatever group of people. Every single one is built by people of faith because their God says you need to be different in the world. So you don't want any Christians here. 97% of the hospitals will shut down except for the new ones that have been built by mega conglomerates because they realize there's a lot of money in health care. But before it became part of capitalistic America, every single one of them had a church name on it. Why? Because the people of God are are designed to be a blessing in the world. You look at every organization. Show me one atheist organization that is helping the people who are the most vulnerable. You know why you won't find it? Because if you're an atheist, then you believe in the survival of the fittest. And guess what? When weak people oppress less weak people, that's just life.
0: Jesus is real. We're coming to the end of our time with you today, but we're so glad you tuned in for Jesus is Real Radio. I want to take a moment to tell you about a great new book that Pastor Daniel has written. And it's being released February 16th. It's called Crazy Happy, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life. I'll tell you how you can pre-order in just a moment, but let's have Pastor Daniel share what you'll find in this new book. Thanks, Josh.
1: Have you ever wondered if God wants you to be happy? I get asked that all the time, and the answer is yes, He does want you to be happy, He loves for us to be satisfied and full of joy, but the question is, how do we find that happiness in today's crazy world? That's why I wrote Crazy Happy, nine surprising ways to live the truly beautiful life. It's packed full of stories and insights into how God has designed you
0: and me for happiness. I know you're gonna love it. Here's Josh to tell you more. What an exciting book. You can pre-order it right now, too, and you'll find some special offers only for people who pre-order now. Just go to danielfusco.com and scroll through the list of retailers to find the one you want to order from. He'll be releasing it on Kindle and audiobook form as well. Check out the info about how to claim that at danielfusco.com. Again, that's danielfusco.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called The Art of Living. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.